We're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 1, still continuing our series, Sanctification, Becoming More Like Christ. That's what we want, church, right? More like Jesus? Amen. That's definitely what we need. I know that's what we need. We'll go ahead and read the first few verses there, just kind of refresh us on where we've been and where we're headed. And then we'll try to get right on into right on into the message tonight. I do appreciate you being out. I'm very thankful. It's been crazy hot. Man, it's been so hot. I'm thankful for the good air conditioner in here. Amen. Some people are saying, yeah, I need a blanket. Yeah, I don't like it that way. It keeps you awake. Amen. I like it. I like it. Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant... And an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus, uh, and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, <clears throat> and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, The last time we visited here, I had uh, named the message, uh, you have to do what you have to do. And so this is, you have to do what you have to do, part two. You can tell I'm really putting a lot of thought in these messages and titles, like absolutely. Uh, but it's true. You have to do what you have to do if you're going to be more like Jesus. Let's pray. We'll get right on into it. Father, we need your help, your guidance, certainly your power, that unction only you can give. We just need a touch from heaven. Lord, I'm thankful for the folks that are out tonight. And I know that many of them have worked hard today, out in the heat even. And I appreciate them putting forth the effort to be here in this place. And then the ones that are watching by live stream, uh, even though they're sick, Lord, I pray you'd touch them and help them, even as already has been prayed. But the main thing is just to help us to focus on the Word tonight. Uh, Lord, help us to stay on track, that we might learn more about what you would have us to do as we grow closer to you. And we'll thank you for anything that you accomplish, for we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please be seated. So we're talking about being sanctified. We're talking about being set apart that we might be used by God. That's what we want. Somewhere we're sanctified in the holies completely. I mean, no, we're somewhere in the heavenlies. I mean, we are already completely sanctified. I'm so very thankful 
just to know that, that I mean somewhere. I don't fully understand it, but I know that it's true because the Bible says. But uh, there's a lot more work of sanctification needs to be done. In my case, I'm sure, uh, while I'm still, still here on this earth, we need to be set apart that we might be used by God. We're supposed to be a separated people. And that's because we have been saved by His grace according, unto, as, according as His divine divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust and so we were given exceeding great and precious promises number one just the gospel of the lord jesus christ that jesus christ came born of a virgin lived a perfect sinless life died a vicarious death that means he died for you and i shed his blood gave up the ghost died was laid in the tomb for three days dead and then rose victorious over death and hell hallelujah somebody say amen right there and because of that we can put our faith and trust in the lord jesus christ and he saves our soul forgives all of our sin and we have an eternal home in heaven waiting for us after we leave this life but also the great and precious promises that we have are this wonderful wonderful book that if we stay in it God uses it in a a tremendous way to continue to clean us up uh, to help us to be stronger to guide us along the way I mean he left it here uh, and, and many people boy many great saints gave their lives even so we can have this thing in our lap uh, tonight, but he gave us this exceeding great and precious promises that we might be partakers of the divine nature, that we might learn more of what uh, the Lord would have us to do and how the Lord would have us to live. <clears throat> there's more to it than just salvation because verse 5 says, and beside this, it's like there's more than this. Giving all diligence, we have to work at it. Let me stop there for just one brief second. If we are going to be more like Christ, we have to work at it. I'll say it again. If we're going to be more like Christ, we have to work at it. It doesn't just happen. Boy, I wish God would change me. Well, he did when he saved your soul. The Holy Ghost of God moved in. And he made a change that only God could make. There's no doubt about that. But if we want to continue to grow and be more like Christ, we have to work at it. It involves work. It doesn't just come naturally. We have to decide we will allow God to do what what only God will do as we yield to him and what he has for us. Giving all diligence, add to your faith, the faith that God gave you to get saved, add to your faith, virtue, that's a willingness to please God, and the virtue, knowledge, that's knowledge of the word of God. If we have a willingness to please God, then we must gain the knowledge that we need from the Bible and what God would have us to do. So we have a willingness to please God, pardon me, and then we gain the knowledge that God wants us to have, so we can continue to do that. Add to your faith, Virtue and a virtue knowledge and a knowledge temperance. That's that willingness to do what God would have us to do after we know it. I think, I think a great big problem with a lot, of, a lot of Christians today is that they really know what God would have them to do, but they're not doing it. Come on, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just, I'm just trying, trying, to, trying to tell you. I really do believe that. I mean, even the basic things about Christianity, a lot of people, after they're saved for a little bit of time, it's like, well, that's not really that important, and that's not really that important. But anything that God says is very important. Absolutely so. And so we have to be willing to continue to practice this temperance and do those things. I mean, if we have a willingness to please God and, and we have knowledge of what he wants us to do, then it's good for us to just go ahead and do that. But we have to have that temperance continue on. 
And we know that temperance is demonstrated by a will that consistently forms to the will of God. We have to have that desire to please God. And what we choose and what we reject are strongly influenced by three factors. Our appetites, our affections, and our appraisals. And temperance is needful because of the inevitable struggle we experience as the Holy Spirit creates new desires in us. Come on, stay with me here. As the Holy Spirit creates these new desires in us that are contrary to the desires and the habits of our fallen nature. I was talking to Miss Emily this afternoon about when I got saved many, many years ago. Now, 37 years ago, thank the Lord. He never has uh, kicked me out of the family since that time. I'm very, very thankful for that. But the work that he did on me, in me initially when I got saved, because I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about church. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. But I had all these things in my possession that God didn't want me to have in my possession. Now, I didn't fully understand that yet. But I mean, God saved me and and all of a sudden I had these desires in here that I'd never had before. I had things in my possession that don't don't belong in any Christian's possession. And so God began to pinpoint those things uh, and, and say, you need to get rid of that and you need to clean this out of your house. And there's no reason for you to have that anymore. No, no, no. It was the Lord that was saying these things. Nobody was walking through my house going, that's got to go and that's got to go. Oh, no, no. No, no. The Lord put these desires in me to get rid of that junk out of my life. I mean, I mean, but, but we have to listen to him, don't we? I mean, we have to listen to him when he begins to do those things. There was things I had on my wall. They had to go. There was things I had in my, in my uh, chest of drawers. Had to go. There was things that I had in my television cabinet. Had to go. There was things that I had in my music collection had to go. I mean, these things had to go. And it was God that impressed me for that because I wasn't, you know, I mean, none of it bothered me before I got saved. No, no, none of it concerned me before I got saved. I mean, I I had acquired these things, Brother Mike. I had acquired these things and brought them in my life. I paid for a lot of them. I mean, much of them and had them in my house and in my possession. I had all these things and it was part of my life. Sister, it was just part of my life. But boy, God saved my soul and he created these new desires. Well, what desire is that? To please him. To do what he would have me to do. And and I mean, it wasn't nothing when God would speak to me about these different things. It wasn't nothing to gather it up and to tear it to pieces and take it out to the dumpster and throw it in a dumpster. I mean, there was clothing I didn't need anymore. I didn't need, I didn't need, I didn't need any, I didn't need t-shirts with whiskey announcements or beer announcements on it. I I didn't need to wear all my concert t-shirts of all the wicked singers that were out there that I had collected over the years. I didn't need that stuff anymore. And God put it as that desire. I didn't need to look at things anymore. I didn't, no, no. So God creates these, the Holy Spirit of God moves in and he creates these new desires in us that are very, very contrary to the desires and the habits that we had before we ever got saved. And even to our fallen nature that we still have after we are saved. <clears throat> Boy, I tell you, I don't know about you. I wish we didn't have that battle. Brother John, I wish we didn't have that battle. You know, the battle between the old nature and the new nature. No, no, I wish we didn't even have that battle. I'm telling you. And, and, and I wish after, oh man, you know, I wish after five years it was just over. 
You know, and I mean, Brother Terry, 10 years, man, if it had just lasted 10 years, hallelujah. And it just, man, I'm glad I got that out of the way. You know, I mean, you know, like the first 10 years of marriage, that's the hardest. And then everything's just downhill from there. But anyway, oh, nobody has a sense of humor anyway. But here I am 37 years later, and here's this battle that goes on. The old Bill Marshall, which I don't like very much at all. And that new nature that God has given me that is still prompting me day by day to live the life that God would have me to live, to go the way that God would have me to go. And I'm very thankful that, that he is. But there is that battle. Somebody say amen right there. It is real. Anybody that's been saved by the grace of God knows that it is real. <clears throat> Romans chapter 7 verse 14 the apostle Paul said for we know that the law is spiritual but I am carnal sold under sin for that which I do I allow not for what I would that do I not but what I hate that do I if then if then I do that which I would not I consent unto the law that it is good now then is no more I that do it but sin that dwelleth in me it's still in there for I know that in me that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for the will is present with me but how to perform that which is good I find not so there's this battle and we don't have to no 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 it's 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 like that i'm thankful we have the bible because the apostle paul was a great christian i mean he was used mightily by god but he fought this same thing he fought this very same thing and so really guys it should give us some hope shouldn't it come on it should give us some hope to know that he was able by the strength of god the glory of god the help of god to overcome that and then write most of the new testament that we have in our bible now just an amazing thing and in this message we want to see how that temperate life that temperate life leads to a, a godly life and the knowledge temperance and the temperance patience and the patience godliness and we're going to touch just a little bit of this along the way we're, we're talking about a life in which please listen we're talking about a life in which our choices and our actions increasingly conform to the will of God revealed in his word because the will of God for us is revealed in this Bible. That's why it's so important we read this thing every day. That's why it's so important we try to hide it in our heart. That's why it's so important we take heed to it and even take notes while the preaching and teaching is going on so we can go back and look at that once again and say, man, God spoke to me here and God spoke to me here. That's why it's so important at invitation time that we don't leave the altars empty if God's spoken to us about even the most minute thing that is in our life. I'm telling you, we need to come down and deal with it because the more we will allow God to deal with those things the more that we listen to him and allow him to move us to forsake some things in our life I mean the closer we are going to be to our goal and that's just to be Christ-like we want to be Christ-like we have to understand this godliness is taught both positively and negatively uh, what do you mean well, there's some sinful attitudes and behaviors that are prohibited by God. We know that. You think about the Ten Commandments. Nine of the Ten Commandments are negative commands. They, they prohibit specific actions. Come on, he says, he says, have no other gods before me, neither make nor worship idols, do not take God's name in vain, do not work on the Sabbath, do not commit murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie, do not covet. Oh, I like the first one. We're supposed to love God supremely. Amen. 
That's a really good. If we start that one and get that one, it's pretty easy to, to work on the other ones. The Christian life is, please get this, the, the Christian life is regulated by negative commands. I know people don't like negativity, but the Christian life is regulated by negative commands prohibiting specific actions and attitudes. And attitudes. And attitudes. And attitudes. Oh, no, no. I'm I'm telling you, we need to get this across. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Just don't let it reign there. We're going to kick it out. No, no, no. We have this new life. We've been born again. Let's get rid of that. Ephesians 4, 27. Let him that stole steal no more. That's a pretty good admonition right there for somebody who's been saved by the grace of God. Amen. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Okay, Philippians 2.14. Do all things. Are you guys listening to me? Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That's a good one. Moms and dads are going, man, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Absolutely so. No, 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 no. Okay, how about 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14, where it says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Another good admonition from God. I mean, don't even get around that stuff if it looks like evil. Just stay completely away from it. And godly attitudes and godly behaviors are required by God. Are required by God. Okay, let me, let me give you some more scripture then. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts and be ye thankful. Well, that's a good one right there, isn't it? Come on, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. One of the greatest things that that, that I experienced after I got saved was the peace of God that passes all understanding. Well, that made me want to that made me want to follow God that much more. That made me want to know more what God had for me. It's very, very important. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts and be ye thankful. Thankful for what? Thankful for your salvation. If we can't even be thankful for our salvation, what more could we? Uh, no, 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 no. How are we going to be thankful for anything else if we're not thankful that God saved our soul? Amen. Yeah, sure. Colossians 3.18. This, this, okay, okay. This, this wakes some of you up. Colossians 3.18 and, and, and through verse 22. Just parts of the verses. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. That's good admonition. Okay, how about this one? Husbands, love your wives. That's a great one. And it goes on. Children, obey your parents. Are oh, you got this? Obey your parents in all things. No, no. God is saying this. This isn't just your preacher saying this. This is God saying this. It goes on. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Well, to be some of the best workers on the job. Yeah. Absolutely so. But godliness also requires separation from sin and worldliness. No, we're talking about godliness. We're talking about being godly. Come on, okay, we're talking about being holy. Be ye holy for I am holy. The Lord says that. Be ye holy for I am holy. Well, we'll never be as holy as God. Oh, you're you're right there. I guarantee you that's true. But he did say that. Be ye holy for I am holy. Now, if he said that, he must mean for us to at least try. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, 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 no. So, so godliness requires separation from sin and worldliness. Okay, let me give you some scripture on that. Matthew 12, 33 says, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. 
So you have to understand this. We choose what kind of fruit our lives will bear. No, we choose that. Come on, we choose that by how much we either obey or ignore this. We choose what kind of fruit our life is going to bear. Uh, going to bear, going to bear. Uh, absolutely. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Boy, healthy fear of God's a good thing. Let's say it again. A healthy fear of God's a good thing. Uh, no, 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 no. A healthy fear of God is a good thing. A healthy fear of God is a good thing. A healthy fear of God is a good thing. I'm telling you, we, we jump out uh, from underneath the umbrella of his protection and think we're doing okay just because we're saved by the grace of God and get to thinking that we're not going to have to pay any, we're not going to have to pay any consequences for our sin now that we've been saved. Oh, no, 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 no. You shouldn't even think like that. I'm telling you, you get out from the umbrella of God's protection in your life, you will have to pay the consequences of that somebody say amen right there no 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 we no no we got the no I, no i'm telling you people people i i meet people and talk to them oh you're a baptist yes i'm a baptist oh y'all believe once saved always saved oh it's exactly what the bible teaches well y'all just believe you can get saved live any way you want to no a serious no no a serious student of the bible somebody that's really wanting to be what god would have them be understands that we can't get saved and just go ahead and live a sinful life and live any way we want to no 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 there are consequences to pay even if we're saved by the grace of god there are consequences to pay and i'm telling you if we cover up sin god will finally uncover that sin and if we go ahead and sin, we might think that it's going okay for a while. But I'm telling you, because the Bible even says there's pleasure in sin for a season. But I'm telling you, there's going to come a time that we will pay for that. No, no, you don't get by with it. You don't, you don't get by with it. We can't have that mindset. We have got to understand. We have got to understand that God truly does want us God truly does want us to try to live a godly life, a holy life. He wants us to focus upon that and follow him and live the best life that we can. Be fruitful in him. He, he wants all of that. And it's a pretty good thing to, to have a healthy fear of God. My dad was not a godly man. He's a rough old cowboy. And he always had a very healthy belt cowboy belt i can remember the sound of that thing coming out of the belt loops oh yeah yeah no no he wasn't a good man but i had a healthy fear of him no it kept me from doing some things along the way it took me a while after i got saved brother john to get that to get that thought to get that uh, mindset out of my head uh, about God. Because God isn't vindictive that way. I mean, he doesn't get pleasure out of chasing us when he has to do that. But I'm telling you, he will chasten us. He will correct us if he has to. He doesn't get any pleasure out of beating us or anything like that. But it's good for us to have a healthy fear of him because if he decides that he wants to, uh, if he decides that he wants to uncover sin in our life, okay, 
Okay, I've seen more than one Christian marriage go completely down the tubes because one of the spouses or the other thought that they could just do whatever they wanted to do, however they wanted to do it, and it rolled on that way for a while, and then it all was all uncovered. Okay, <clears throat> I, I, I could tell. Mm, there's a certain case right now, I guarantee you, that I could talk about and would not in specifics whatsoever. But I'm telling you, a, a good godly couple working in the ministry full time. I mean, God's using them. Everything seems to be just fine, you know. Uh, all of a sudden it's found out that one of them's having an affair. Has been having an affair for two years. God decides just to go ahead, Brother Cox, and just uncover all that. Been going on long enough. Probably gave them a lot of time to repent and get right. But when God decides to make things uh, evident... He's well able to do that. And we think we're getting by with something, but we're not getting by with anything. And if God decides he's going to make it known, he can make it known. But here's the bad thing. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not just railing on this. Here's the bad thing. That marriage is done. There's children that don't have a mom and dad together anymore. The ministry's been shamed. God's name has been shamed. The guilty party will pay consequences for the rest of their life. The one that was not the guilty party will have to pay the consequences of of their sin for the rest of their life. The children will pay the consequences for that sin for the rest of their life. Just because, Brother Mike, we just don't have a healthy fear of God anymore. It's like, well, you know, God's up there somewhere, and boy, boy, you know, I mean, we can just go ahead and just live any way we want to. Uh, not without the consequences. Because God really does want us to be a separated people. He, he wants us to be a holy people. He wants to be godly people. And, 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 and certainly to bring Him honor and glory. But here's the thing. Come on, we are supposed to bring him honor and glory. But here's the thing, as we live that way, as we do those things, not only does it bring God honor and glory, which we should want to do with our lives, but man, God blesses our lives. No, 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 no. Just like if we're doing wrong and we have to pay the consequences for that somewhere down the road. If we're just trying to live for God the way that we should, doing the things we're supposed to do, man, we're the one that's blessed. I mean, we begin to see the real fruit of a Christian be real in our own life. No, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But we have to decide what we want. Well, I sure wish God would bless me. God is blessing you. He's already blessed you if he saved you. <clears throat> but I'm telling you, you can continue to have the blessings of God if we decide that we are going to listen to God, do what God would have us to do. Second Corinthians, uh, I'm sorry, James 4, 4. You adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So we have to make this choice. Friendship with the world or friendship with God. Are, you with, are y'all still with me here? Either friendship with the world or friendship with God. 
Okay, let me get, let me get just, just a little bit deeper than that. Friendship with God requires that we sever our friendship with the world. No, it's pretty simple. No, I didn't say it was easy. I said it's simple. A large percentage of Christians today will not live the life that God wants them to live because they do not want to uh, sever friendships that need to be severed. No, that's a powerful truth. I mean, that's a really powerful truth. And they think they can have friendship with the world and worldliness and have everything God has to offer too. And they're fooling themselves. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Well, aren't we supposed to be getting the gospel to people? Yes, we hear about it every Wednesday night and, and more so other times too. But yes, absolutely so. But that doesn't, mean that, we, that doesn't mean that we stoop down and live in the world, live like the world to try to get people to Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. We separate ourselves from the world and we live the way that God would have us to live. That, that, no, no, I mean really live in the way that God would have us to live so that we are actually blessed by God and we are fruitful in the Lord and that shows up on us along the way man God is blessing them and God is helping them and God no no it does finally show up on us that way and that is what people that don't know the Lord need to see that's what they need to see they don't need us trying to shove something down their throat they don't need us trying to tell them how bad they are out there for doing the things they're doing they already know all that come on it's only God that can convict the heart absolutely Allowing God to work. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, And be not not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, by this wonderful book. Look, statements such as these, 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 these few verses I've read in the New Testament, they teach us that separation from from specific attitudes and actions and associations is essential, essential to spiritual maturity. God is holy. God is unique. God is different. He's completely free from all corruption of sin. Because God is holy, he calls us to separate, listen, to separate from sin and worldliness to Christ and godliness. No, no, he wants to separate us from sin and worldliness to Christ and godliness. That's what the Lord wants for us. He wants to live that. He wants us to live that life. And worldliness just refers to any practice or philosophy that exhibits one of two characteristics. Number one, the sinful and selfish desires or lust of the fallen nature. Boy, that's very real. Absolutely so. In fact, that will mess you up. That will mess you up. No, no, no. Even if, you're, even if you are saved by the grace of God, that will mess you up to continue to, to uh, 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 entertain the lust of that flesh, those sinful desires. 
Romans chapter 1 verse 28 says this, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, mercy sakes alive, just because they didn't care to follow God. They didn't care to keep God first. Well, very Marshall, you know, it's not like, I'm not, let me just stop you right there. Don't, don't you think that you can go a completely opposite way what God would have you to go, and you're not going to have to pay some of this. Some of this will happen. Look, no, no, no. There's two natures there. There's the nature, the new nature that God gave you, and there's that old nature. And you're following one of them. No, you're really following one of them. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, so much more, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, this know also that in last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, I'll do what I want to do, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, pretty good front there, but denying the power thereof from such turn away is what the Bible says. We have to be careful. We have to be careful that we're not following the rebellious, evil, and destructive purposes of the devil. Because he loves to whisper in our ear, doesn't he? He loves, to, he loves to try to convince us that we're missing out on something if we're not doing everything all the rest of the world's doing. But he's a liar and the father of lies. And he came to kill and to steal and to destroy. Amen. Absolutely so. No, 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 no. We need to decide that we're going to listen to that new nature. We're going to listen to God. See, God does not want us to conform to anything but His Son. His Son. Now, I want you to get this. Now, I'm going to wrap it up. It, it, it's getting really close. Separation. Please get this. Please get this. Because, no, no, no. I'm telling you. I think that over the years, I think we've run a lot of people off by looking at separation in a way we shouldn't look at separation. I'm talking about in our independent fundamental... Baptist circles, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an independent Baptist from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, but I think we have run a lot of people off by looking at things wrong as far as separation goes. What do you mean, preacher? Separation, separation itself is not the goal. What, what do you mean? Well, just adding, our, uh, adding to our uh, list of things to do and don't do. You know, or you do this, you need to do all this, okay? And you don't need, don't need to be doing all this, okay, okay. But that's not, no, please listen, please listen. Don't, 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 don't tune me out because of what I just said. Listen to this. Separation is not the main goal. Christ-likeness is the goal. Amen. 
to be more like Christ, to be more like Jesus. No, no, that is, no, no, that is our goal. Conforming to Jesus Christ in everything. And if we are working at conforming to Jesus Christ in everything, sanctification is going to come. No, no, separation will come. No, no, it will be a natural, or please listen, it will be a natural effect of us deciding, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more Christ-like. I, I, I want to I study Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to get that so ingrained here in my heart that I act the way that God says that I'm supposed to act in each and every situation. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying I'm even close to being there. But I'm telling you, if we would, if we would decide that we would do that, if we would set apart the filth of this world, if we would decide that we are going to get things out of our life, even for a time, and make God number one for a time, I'm telling you, and really just focus. I want to be more like Christ. I'm telling you, the separation part will come. It will come. Well, preacher, don't you think we need, don't you think we need rules and guidelines? Heaven's to Betsy, of course we do. But I've seen a lot of people that are so focused on the rules that they're not looking to the one that can absolutely change their heart and life. Now, I'm for the rules. Don't get me wrong. I'm for the guidelines. We got to set them high, don't we? Because, well, because of our wicked nature. That's why we got to do that. We got to set the bar high so we have something to shoot for. Absolutely so. But we need to be focused on what God wants us to be. How God wants us to be. And how we get to where God wants us to be. By drawing closer to Him. By having a healthy fear of God. By determining that we are going to put our focus on what the Lord would have us to do. Christ-likeness is the goal. Stay with me here. No, we're doing great. Godliness extends to four key areas in our life. Four key areas. Number one, moral purity. Moral purity. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God so you would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave to you by, by the Lord Jesus, excuse me, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, his body, in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of uh, uh, of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified for God hath not called us unto uncleanness but unto holiness so we have no no there has to be this moral purity come on come on come on I mean even if we didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ 
as our personal Savior, you can study, you can study morality. I mean, being a moral person. There are some people in cults out there in the United States of America that, that practice morality, and they're practicing it because they're hoping it's going to get them to heaven. I'm telling you, no, no, no. There's, there's cults out there that, that are much more moral, much more focused on morality, even than we are, because they know that, they, they think that that, 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 that is part of the thing that's going to get them to heaven one of these days. But I'm telling you, us that already know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, it should be a big part of our life, morality, of being moral people. Number two, verbal purity. Verbal purity. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Colossians 4.6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. So, 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 so verbal purity. But number three, relational purity. James chapter 3, verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Get this. Come on. Stay with me. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So we're talking about relationships. We're talking about relationships free from bitterness, free from hypocrisy, free from wrath, free from abuse. We're talking about relationships that are that are full of love and joy and peace and gentleness and all the things that a real relationship between Christian people should be. Amen. But also recreational purity on this earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Stay with me. All things are lawful unto me, the Apostle Paul said, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. He, he said, I can do whatever I want to do. Stay with me. He said, I can do whatever I want to do, but some of those things may not benefit me. No, I make the choice to go ahead and do whatever I want to do. You can't keep me from doing anything, preacher. I'll live my life the way I want to. Absolutely so. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not trying to get anybody under my thumb, no way, shape, or form. Absolutely. Everybody can decide what they want to do. But I'm telling you, not all things are going to be beneficial. Not all things are going to be good. I mean, there are going to be things you decide to do if they go against the Word of God that it's just not going to be good. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Verse number 16, and that says, What? Know ye not that he which is joined in an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Hallelujah. Flee fornication. Every sin that man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication sinned against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God? And ye are not your own, for ye are bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's oh yeah we can decide to do whatever we want to do but I'm telling you no 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 we decide that we're going to do things that are against what God would have us to do and it's not a good thing you are bought with a price you, you no no you're not your own anymore people don't like that whatsoever I know 
Look, the danger of lawful pleasures is that they have a way of taking control of our hearts and enslaving us to our desires. Well, I can do this, and I can do this. It's not a bad thing for me. And I can do a little bit of this, and I can do a little bit of that. I mean, come on, it's not like it's against the law. I can look at this, and I can look at that, and I can listen to this, and I can listen to that. The whole world does it, preacher, come on. I mean, I can look at this, I can be a part of this, I can do these different things. It's not like it's against the law, preacher. It's not a bad thing. No, 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 but I'm telling you, these lawful pleasures, they have a way of taking control of our hearts and enslaving us to their desires. And pretty soon we're thinking more like the world than we're thinking like God. The Christian is to have one master, one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Christian is supposed to live for one purpose. And that's to glorify God in everything. I'll close right here. The mature Christian life is a godly life. The mature Christian life is a life that, that refuses to be conformed to this world and the flesh or to the devil. But we have to remember, we must remember that nonconformity... No, no, get this. Come on, I hope you haven't shut me out yet. We have to remember that nonconformity to the world is not our goal. That's not our goal. Well, if I, if I look just right, dress just right, talk just right, I mean, you know, then everything's good, Right? We ought to look right. We ought to dress right. We ought to talk right. We to, but, but no, 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 no. That's not our goal. Conforming to Christ is our goal. Being more like Him. Look, 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 look. When, when our focus is on what we separate from, please get, no, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. When our focus is on what we separate from, we will tend to become prideful and critical and judgmental. Oh, look what I'm doing. I mean, I, I can't believe those people are doing that out there. I can't believe. But look what I'm doing. Well, how's your heart? No, 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 no. Come on. How's your walk with God? Because anybody can do the outward stuff. Somebody say amen right there. Anybody can do the outward stuff. Anybody can do that. You can clean up the outside. Oh, come on. They're, they're, no, 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 no. All around this country, there's been, there's been, excuse me, there's been perverts exposed in churches around the country. Oh, they looked, they looked real good right down to the time that they did something they should have never done in the church house with the church body. I mean, dressed just right, talked just right. Man, I mean, everything was okie-dokie. Until that real heart showed up. Yeah. When our focus is becoming more like Jesus, it makes us humble, and it makes us gracious, and it makes us patient with others. So the key is not how passionate we are in what we reject. Please get this. I'm I'm, I'm, going to stop. The key is not how passionate we are in what we reject. 
but how passionate we are towards the one whose virtue we pursue. How passionate are we to be more like him? How much do we truly pursue that with all of our heart? Our sole desire should be to be more like Him. And if we'll get that desire right, everything else just starts falling in place. And we will be living the life that God would have us to live. And it won't be, uh, it won't be grudgingly. It won't have to be forced. I mean, it will become something that we desire. I just want to be more like Him. I just want to fulfill my purpose that He has for me in this life. I want to show other people Jesus Christ by the way that I live, by what I do. Let's stand. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank you for your precious spirit that dwells in every believer. Thank you that your spirit can take the word and work in our lives and work in our hearts as we yield to you. And we can be more Christ-like when we determine that that is our main desire. Yes, it's important that we separate from things. We address that, Lord. Your word makes it clear. But it's much more important that we separate unto you, allowing you to do in our hearts and lives what only you can do. To be more like Jesus, to be more like him, to be more like him, to be more like him. Father, help us. Help us. It's our greatest need for all of us to be more like him. We have to do what we have to do to get there and requires us putting you first and letting go of the things of the world which are not important at all they're all going to burn up one of these days help us Lord help us to be real help us to be real if there's somebody in here that's not truly saved by your grace Lord Help them to be real. Convince them, convict them, help them, draw them to yourself. Work as only you can work. Bless this time of invitation. Might your perfect will be done. We pray and we thank you. We ask it all in Jesus' glorious name. Amen and amen. Some have come to the altar. The altar's open. You need to come. Come on, come on, don't wait. We're not taking long. I'm not going to drag anything out. Message has been preached. Spirit of God spoken to you, I hope. How close are you to him? How close are you? How much are you pursuing being close to him, being more like Christ? How much? Could you love him more if you really tried? Are there things in your life that uh, come before him? Why don't you come down here and just 
Leave them at the altar. Nothing's more important than him. Not one thing. Whatever God wants, just let him have his way.